Grace be to you in peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. This morning as we contemplate the parable of the Good Samaritan, we learn the answer to the question, who is my neighbor? And having learned that, we turn to Leviticus and we're reminded of some practical examples of how do you do that? How do you love your neighbor as yourself? We pray. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable to you, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. The man came to test Jesus, asked him what he had to do to have eternal life. Jesus often did. He didn't answer right away directly. Instead, he asked a question that pointed the man back to the scriptures. This man is described as an expert in the law. So Jesus says, okay, what does the law say? What do you find as you study the scriptures, as you're an expert in what the scriptures say? And the man showed himself to be very learned in the scriptures. He came back with a wonderful summary from the book of Deuteronomy, one that Jesus himself used on many occasions. Love the Lord your God all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength, love your neighbor as yourself. So if he already knew the answer, why was he coming to Jesus with the question? Jesus makes that clear by his response. You have answered correctly, do this, and you will live. Do this. You will live. That was the key of what was on this man's mind, ultimately. His conscience had told him that he hadn't done those things. His conscience told him there were people he didn't want to love and people he had not loved and had not treated in a very loving way. So his conscience moved him to ask, well, who is my neighbor? hoping that Jesus would give him a little wiggle room, that give, give him a way out, that Jesus would tell him that, well, you know those people you don't want to love? You don't really have to because they're not your neighbor. They don't count. I'm sure there have been times in your life when you were hoping the same thing. There was someone you didn't want to love, someone who hurt you with their words. Someone who cut you off in traffic. Someone who seemed to be doing a lot better in life than you were. You didn't really want to love them. And maybe someone popped in your head when I said that. There's someone you don't want to love. And you may be thinking of someone. And you're hoping that, like this man, Jesus gives you a way out, a little wiggle room. And maybe this person that you don't want to love or those people you haven't loved as yourself really aren't your neighbors. And so when you haven't loved them, you're not really guilty of breaking that commandment. Who's my neighbor? Jesus answered the question with a parable, a very familiar parable, a parable of the Good Samaritan. He told of a man who was traveling, and he was jumped by people who robbed him of his money, beat him up, and left him for dead. But that wasn't the worst part. 
priest and then a Levite saw him bleeding there in the ditch. And they looked the other way and kept going on up to do their duties at the temple. They didn't stop and render aid. Then another man, third man, came by and he saw this person who had been beaten bloody laying on the side of the road and he had compassion on him. He stopped, he cleaned up his wounds, he put him on his donkey, he brought him to the nearest inn. He even paid out of his own pocket so that this man could have a room and be cared for while he got better. Which of the three were a neighbor? Jesus emphasized the point by telling us that that third man, the one who actually did stop and render aid, he was a Samaritan. Unlike the priest and Levite, this Jewish person beat up and laying on the side of the road was basically his enemy. He had more reason to go over there and to mock him, maybe kick him while he was down or spit on him, to treat him badly because of how badly his Jewish friends, friends of this man who was beaten, had treated him in the past. So what's the point of Jesus' parable? You know, everybody is your neighbor. Even that person you don't want to love. Even that person that hurt you, of words or actions. Even your enemy. Everybody is our neighbor. And if there's someone that you haven't loved as yourself, if you're someone you haven't treated in a loving way, then you haven't loved your neighbor as yourself, nor have you loved God above all things, since he's the one who told you to love your neighbor as yourself. You have not done what you need to do to have eternal life. You deserve to have God treat you the way the priest and the Levite treated that man, to see you bruised and bloody by Satan and sin, just to look the other way and say, I'm just going to let you get what you deserve. And God is not like the priest or the Levite. He is love. When he saw us beaten and bloody and bruised from our battle against sin and Satan, left by them to die and to suffer eternal punishment for our sins, he had compassion. He didn't look the other way. Even though we were his enemies, even though we didn't love him above all things and weren't loving our neighbor as ourselves, he still sent Jesus into this world, who took our place, who always loved God the Father above all things perfectly, who always loved his neighbor as himself perfectly, and then who allowed the Father to punish him for the sins of those who had lied about him and beaten him and crucified him and for your sins and for my sins allowed the Father to punish him for all those things. God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. In him, by his wounds, 
we have been healed. Now, whenever we're beaten and bloodied by our battle against sin and Satan, he continues to come to us. He continues to bind up our wounds with the salve of forgiveness. He continues to send us fellow Christians or pastors or teachers, someone who can make sure that we have what we need to recover. He sends us the gospel in word and sacrament. And through that gospel and word and sacrament, he strengthens us to go out into our lives and to serve him and serve others with the same kind of love that he has shown to us. What does that look like? What does it mean to love your neighbor as yourself? God gives us a lot of practical examples when you think about it. It's a practical example in his parable of the Good Samaritan. Loving your neighbor as yourself means setting aside your important duty of going up to the temple and serving at God's house, setting that aside long enough to help someone who's in need. Of the three, not the priest, not the Levite, but the Samaritan loved his neighbor as himself. In our reading from Leviticus, God suggests that loving your neighbor as yourself means not trying to to keep every penny you can possibly have for yourself, but being willing to share with others who are in need. It means making sure that you don't take advantage of others, that you don't inflate a price or lie about something's value just to enrich yourself at someone else's expense. Loving your neighbor as yourself means that you pay someone what you owe them promptly. Loving your neighbor as yourself means that you don't mock or make fun of anybody, especially someone who can't defend themselves because of a handicap. Loving your neighbor as yourself means applying the law equally, God's law and man's law, not considering someone's appearance, not considering how important they are or how poor they are, applies equally to everybody. It means, as Luther put it so well, taking people's words and actions in the kindest possible way, not spreading rumors, not saying things that would hurt someone's reputation, even if it's true. means not holding a grudge, not seeking revenge against those who have hurt you or sinned against you. So take your folder home. Take some time this week to reread Leviticus 19 a couple times. And let that be a guide to you as you're thinking about what am I going to post or share on social media? Would this be loving my neighbor as myself? Let it guide you as you think about what you're saying and what you're doing to members of your family, to your neighbors, to others. Let it be a guide to you. How do you do this? How do you love your neighbor as yourself? Practical examples. Now, if you were following along in Leviticus, you might have noticed that as I I tried to summarize those things and make them contemporary for us today, there was a verse that I really didn't touch. 
can really talk about it, and that's because I wanted to highlight it. And I wanted to highlight it because it's something that most people in our world today would say, well, that's not loving. Verse 17. You shall not hate a fellow Israelite in your heart. You must openly rebuke your fellow citizen so that you do not become responsible for his sin. That doesn't sound loving. You know what rebuke means, right? It means telling someone that something they said or something they're doing is something that God calls sinful. And you know what most people would say, even our fellow Christians sitting together here in church, if we were to do that, they would say, who made you the boss or the judge of me? You're just as sinful as I am. There's an element of truth there, isn't there? We are just as sinful as anyone else. So how can God say you need to rebuke your fellow Christian in regard to their sin? That's loving your neighbor as yourself. It has a lot to do with attitude, first of all, and secondly, with understanding how serious sin is. If we try to do what God is saying here with the attitude of the Pharisee in the temple, I thank God that I'm not as bad as they are. I might be a sinner, but I don't sin as bad as they do. Well, then, that's not loving your neighbor as yourself. That's judging that Jesus, the kind of judging that Jesus says we're not to do. And understanding how serious sin is. The goal is that we understand that if someone continues in sin and don't realize it, are unrepentant, that there are some serious eternal consequences that could happen. And, and we love them enough that we don't want that to happen to them. And we want to get to the point where we can say, Jesus paid for your sins. That's our goal. God says, failing to warn your brother, especially your fellow Christian of sin, makes you in some way responsible if they remain unrepentant and end up in hell. So think of it this way. It's an example that is used in Leviticus, other places. If you have a, a dangerous pit somewhere on your property and you fail to put a fence around it and a warning sign up and someone wanders onto your property and falls into that pit and is seriously hurt, everyone, including secular law, agrees you're somewhat responsible. How much more so then? Warning people about the pit of hell. God wants us to do that. It's a loving thing. If in all humility, understanding we're not any better, we're just as much a sinner as they are, but we're concerned about their eternal welfare, that's loving your neighbor as yourself. Who's your neighbor? Jesus makes it very clear. Everybody is your neighbor. Even those who hurt you, even those you don't want to love, even your enemy, they're all your neighbor God says, love them as yourself. How can you do that? If you daily remember that you were born God's enemy, and while you were still sinners, 
He sacrificed his one and only son to live 